Amen. Good morning. Good to see you today. First Timothy chapter one. Uh, Going to read verse eighteen. I want to talk to you today about the power of prophetic words. This is the Apostle Paul. He's uh, writing to his spiritual son, uh, Timothy. And he says, this charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, having faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected, concerning the faith have suffered shipwreck. Um, I want to go to 1 Corinthians, the 14th chapter, and we're going to read verses 1 through 5. Paul's writing here to the church at Corinth, and he says, Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Hand my my water, babe. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. How many heard that? When somebody speaks in tongues, they're not talking to men. They're talking to God. Primarily that gift, we, we believe in that here, even though we're Grace Church, and I say that because sometimes Grace Churches really don't seem to believe in that. But how many knows this in the New Testament? When you get born again, you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, right? And the Bible says if you don't, if you don't have the Spirit of God dwelling within you, you're none of His. And the Holy Spirit gives gifts, And they're called gifts for a reason. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he names nine of those gifts. And, uh, but here, let's read verse 2 again. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, but no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. Those are the three things that prophecy does. And that's why it's so important uh, that we have that in our lives and in our churches, and, and that we allow God to use us in that way. How many knows what edification means? It means to, to build up. Uh, exhortation means to what? To encourage somebody. And then, of course, we know what comfort means. So who in here does not need building up, comforting, and encouragement today? And you see how important that gift is. And it says in verse 4, but he who speaks in tongue edifies himself. And that's fine, but that's more for personal use. In your prayer time, you're building yourself up in the Lord. But he who prophesies, who who does that build up? The church. Why? Because the church understands what's being said. Now, Paul doesn't diminish the gift of tongues. He says, I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you did what? Prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater Then he who speaks with tongues, he says, unless he interprets that the church may receive edification. One more uh, passage here in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 23. And it's talking about what we're doing here today. It says, when the whole church comes together in one place. How many knows that blows away some people's excuse for being at the house? 
because it says when the whole church comes together in one place and all speak with tongues, he says, and there come in those who are uninformed or unbelievers. He said, will they not say you're out of your mind? You're nuts, right? And he talks about two, two groups of people that could come into a corporate meeting. He said, there's people that can come in that are uninformed. Now, who are those people? Those people that are believers, but they've just been going to churches where they didn't ever talk and teach about this. So they're not informed about it. They don't know anything about the gifts of the Spirit. They don't know about the manifestation of these gifts. They're uninformed about it. Now, you can be seated. If, if they walk into your assembly and you're speaking in tongues, they're going to think you're a nutcase. Right? Now, me knows you don't have to be a flake and a nut to be used by God. But I have seen a lot of them. Okay? <clears throat> you, you know, I wish we could be spiritual without being weird. Some people think the more spiritual you are, the weirder they got to behave. It's ridiculous. Um, but he says that these people will come into the assembly, they're uninformed, and then he says the other group is what? Unbelievers. Well, they don't know anything. I mean, they're not born again. They're unbeliever. If they come in, you're, you're speaking in tongues, then they don't, they don't have a clue what's going on. They, Paul said, will they not think that you're out of your mind? Do you see the Bible addresses that? And then he says, but if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, they're going to have a whole different response because they are convinced by all and he is convicted by all. Now, convicted doesn't mean convicting of sin. It means the same word as convinced. In other words, they're convinced. And convinced of what? Verse, next verse. And thus the secrets of their heart are, or his hearts are revealed. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. In other words, when the prophetic gift is really uh, of God and moving of God, then if an unbeliever comes into that atmosphere, their response is they're going to turn their life over to God. They're going to say of a truth that God is in this person because there's no way that they could have known that or, or discerned that or whatever. And, and it's a true gift and it's able to, to minister and it awakens them to God in their lives. And the result of that is they fall on their face. They worship the Lord. They, they surrender their life to Jesus. Now, if anybody, you know, after all these years can talk about this, and I don't mean that arrogantly, I, I can talk about this because I have both been the recipient of this precious gift of the Holy Spirit, and I've also been used by God in, in, in that gift. And it's the primary, uh, primary gift that I would say that God uh, has allowed in my life over these many, many uh, years now. And a true prophetic word, and that's why it's so important that we talk about it. In 1 Corinthians 12, Paul was writing to the church and he said, Brethren, I would not have you to be ignorant concerning spiritual gifts. And then he, and then he names nine gifts there in that chapter. And I won't go through all of those. But he, he names those gifts. And, but the primary gift that Paul is drawing attention to is the one that I'm drawing attention to this morning, and that's the gift of prophecy. Now, some people get under the assumption that if somebody prophesies that they are a prophet, uh, they're not a prophet. Now, we believe in prophets because the Bible believes in prophets. Now, in Ephesians chapter 4, the Bible talks about uh, what we sometimes refer to. The Bible doesn't refer to it as this, but we refer to it as the fivefold 
ministry or five aspects of the ministry. What kind of ministry are we talking about? We're talking about the ministry of Christ. Now, the Bible says in that chapter, before Jesus ascended, he first descended. But, but when he asked, before he ascended, it said he gave gifts unto men, namely that some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. That's where we come up with the five. Now, these gifts are for today. Now, there are a lot of people that says there's no apostles for today, there's no prophets for today. Well, if that's true, then that means there's no pastors for today. You can't pick and choose. There's no evangelists for today, and there's no teachers for today. You can't just pick out what you like or what is agreeable to you or what you under, think you understand. We either have all five of the gifts today in the New Testament, or we have none of the five. So if you're going to ever call anybody pastor, that means shepherd, actually. It's what it means. Then they're also apostles. Now, they will never be apostles like, they, like the 12 that Jesus handpicked. They, that, that, you know, that's a special... Uh, deal, but they are apostles today, and apostles uh, primarily uh, they they are used by God in planting churches, governing, and and doing those things. And and that apostolic call uh, has been on my life in ministry since I began, even when I didn't believe in it. So the person that's talking to you, there was a day that I didn't believe in apostles, and I didn't believe in prophets, because that was the paradigm of the church that I was in. And there was no place for that. There was no speaking of that. And yet we would, as I look back on my life, I would see that there would be prophets that would come through our church, our assembly, and they, would, they were literally in that, in that uh, calling, and they would prophesy, but our church didn't recognize them as prophets, and they would simply say that was the gift of the word of knowledge or, the, or a word of wisdom that they were operating in. And in fact, sometimes that they were, were, you know, they were actually prophets of God. Now, prophets in the New Testament are nothing like the prophets in the Old Testament. And a lot of people need to understand that. Um, and, and, uh, because under the Old Testament, an Old Testament prophet called by God was the voice of God for those people in that time. They didn't have the word of God. They didn't, they, they didn't have all of those things. And they were the voice of the Lord. And that's talking about people like Isaiah and Ezekiel and Jeremiah and, and those guys. But a New Testament prophet operates under those three criteria to speak ex exhortation, encouragement, build up, and to comfort God's people and to reveal Christ to the people. And so a true uh, prophetic word uh, builds faith in the person's heart when they, when they hear it. And it also puts faith in their heart about the future. Now, not only should you desire this for yourself, but you should also desire God to use you to speak those type things to people. Uh, now, the, the problem, you know, it, it, a true prophetic word will primarily do this. It will impart vision to the person. And, 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 and carrying a vision in, in your heart brings hope. Uh, and that's so important today. E everything in this world, if you watch much of the news at all, everything's trying to take hope for the future away from you. Uh, Satan relentlessly... Uh, tries to defeat us with discouragement. But God wants us to carry hope in our hearts and he wants to have us to, to believe for the future um, and, and, and his blessings and health in our lives. And, and he wants us to be encouraged with the life-giving excitement 
in our lives because he's in our lives with peace and prosperity and, and that there is, there is a future, that God does have a plan for our lives in spite of COVID, in spite of what the world says, in spite of what Washington is doing or not doing, that God has a hope for your life. And he has a specific hope for you individually and he also has a corporate hope uh, for his people. Now, there's several different ways that we all in this room hear from God. Now, you are built by God when you're born again to hear God. It's not a hard thing to hear God. Sometimes you're hearing God, and maybe you don't even realize you're hearing God. And that's why sometimes we need people in our lives to help us to recognize, and you, and you tell them what you think God's saying, and, and, that, and a mature person in the Lord can help you to discern if that's God talking to you or not. If you come up to me and say, God told me to divorce my spouse and marry this other one, I already know that's not God. If you come up to me and tell me that God's supposed to judge this and smite this and kill this one, that's not God. That's because you didn't get your coffee. No, it's probably because you've got errors in your life and you're ignorant of those errors of God's grace. You've you got errors that you're hurt, you're not healed in, and, and you think God's mad because you're mad. But God's not mad. God's not, God's not an angry God, and he's not angry at anybody, even the sinners. Now, God don't want people to sin because it brings hurt and pain to those that he loves. But Jesus Christ has taken away the sin of the world. And so all God wants you to do is believe in his grace and goodness and come to him and receive life. And that's why Jesus came. But, but, but uh, you've you got to understand that, that the gift of prophecy is to build people up, to encourage people, now, and to encourage people in comfort. Now, if what you feel like saying to someone doesn't you know, go through that grid and, and get an affirmative yes, then you shouldn't say it to them. You don't come up to somebody and tell them, well, I had a dream last night and I saw you laying in a casket and holding a lily. What do you think that means? You just don't do that. Even if you had the dream, every dream you have is not from God. It's just not from God. It's from pizza. Or you watched the Discovery Channel right before you went to bed. Or whatever. So you don't tell people that kind of stuff. We don't really want you to do parking lot prophecies. You know what I mean by that? It's when you catch them at the car when they're about to leave and you tell them, yeah, I, I dreamed that you died. I, I'll be praying for you. I mean, you just don't do that to people. Now, a lot of churches and ministries and people don't want to fool with any kind of, of, of prophecy or gifts because it's not prophetic, it's pathetic. And there's been a lot of damage and a lot of hurt done because of people just, just not, it's not God. They're, they're, they call themselves ministers, but they're ministering out of their own spirit and out of their own mind, and, and it's just not of Lord. Now, I, I have been so blessed in my life, and I, I, if it was not for probably the gift of prophecy, probably, uh, it's kind of a bold statement, but, but I, I don't even know if I'd be standing before you. Uh, God has tremendously used that. You know, I've been a recipient of the blessing of that. There's been times when I've taught on this that I've actually had Pastor Johanna to play a, a, a prophetic word that I received back in, in um, 1992 that was the most powerful uh, still to date. And I have received uh, probably close to 100 prophetic words in my life, and some of them were actually from the Lord. Now, I've been prophesied all kinds of things because people thought that's what I wanted to hear. And I don't want to. I don't want to focus on the negative part because people, you know, and in every church and ministry are allowed to set the boundaries by which this kind of stuff operates, and that's what Paul was doing in the church at Corinth. Um, 
he was telling them, you know, how, how, this, how this works. Uh, I believe that everything in life uh, begins with a thought, and our thoughts need to be hearing God through the grid of hope. Uh, if, if we're full of negative thoughts, hopelessness, then, then those thoughts are going to become tools of the enemy in our lives, and it's going to make us get discouraged we're, we're going to be uh, have a have a, a heart just to quit, to give up, and, and to simply do nothing. But on the other hand, if our thoughts are full of vision, and and if we ha- if we if we have good thoughts of expectancy of hope, uh, then then that helps us to engage our feelings, to engage our faith and resources, and we start moving then forward, taking action to find solutions to whatever the problems are in our life. And the the importance of those thoughts and the intents of the heart are so important to God and they're important to us. And and, and that's why God wants to speak vision into our lives. And and especially uh, now. Now, I said sometimes you need somebody to kind of help you to discern if it's God or not. Now, one time, you know, Peter got really discouraged, obviously, because he denied that Jesus was even the Messiah. Remember that in the Bible? Now, Jesus warned him and told him that was going to happen. Instead of Peter taking steps to prevent that from happening, he went headlong in and with arrogance and all like that. And he said, now, all these other guys might deny you, but I never will. That's called pride and arrogance. And he just and he was depending on his human strength, and he just didn't have it. In other words, he wrote a check that didn't clear the bank. You know what I'm saying? With his mouth. He, he said what he was going to do, but it, he, he just couldn't do it. And so he goes to a teenage girl there while Jesus is going through his horrendous trial, and, and, and he says, I, he begins to call down curses on himself, said, I don't even know the man. And she said, yeah, you're a Galilee, and your speech betrayed you. She said, I don't even know the guy. And so he denied him three times to rooster crows, and, and, and you guys know the story. Now, he's, he's out there. He's give up on his ministry. He's give up on his life as far as being used of God, and, and I believe the Bible's pretty clear on that. And he says, well, I'm going fishing. Well, his dis- fellow disciples, you know, uh, the 10 of them that are left, Judas has hung himself, so now we got 11 of them. So now Peter's saying he's, you know, done with it. And so these guys say, well, if you're going fishing, we're just going to go hang out with you. How many knows that's kind of a good thing when somebody's discouraged? Hey, you want to go fishing? Let's go fishing. And so they go fishing with him, and while they're fishing, Jesus appears on the shore. And he hollers out at them, and now they fished all night. They hadn't caught anything. This is going to be very reminiscent of another time that Jesus visited them, and they went through the same thing. Notice what the Lord's doing here. And so he says, children, do you have, did you catch anything? Do you have any meat? And, and they say, no, no we, we don't have anything. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat, and, and you'll catch some. Now, the problem is when humans hear a word from God, throw the net on the right side, we're trying to think right versus left. God's talking about right versus wrong. you you gotta, you got to keep your eyes on the right side of the boat. You, are you with me? Which, which side of the boat do you think is the right side? The side that Jesus is on. So you throw your net towards Jesus. In other words, you throw your energy towards Jesus. You throw your strength towards Jesus. You throw your resources towards Jesus. You, you following me? They throw the net on the right side of the boat. They catch a big... Uh, so many fish they can't hardly get the thing in. Um, John is the first to recognize that this is the Lord. He, Peter doesn't recognize. Nobody, everybody thinks this is a stranger. He just knows where to fish, right? John says this, it is the Lord. 
Peter didn't know it was the Lord. Now listen to what Peter does at the word of John. After John says it is the Lord, Peter shucks off his outward robe, dives into the ocean, and outswims the boat to get to him. Right? Now my point is, do you have anybody in your life that you're confident enough in their ability to hear God, recognize God, that you would take that kind of action? Because God didn't talk to Peter. He talk, John recognized him. And we need people in our lives that they can